0: The ultimate tool for de-escalation in all situations from, and Marshall Rosenberg writes about this, from an intimate relationship fight or any fight to someone holding a weapon up to you, right, is is actually is empathizing with the other person.
1: Welcome back to another episode. I'm Leanna. I'm Jared. And we have a special episode today. Jared, why don't you cue us up on it?
2: Yeah, so I've been borderline obsessed with nonviolent communication, which is a sort of um, a method of communicating in relationships. We'll get into it in the episode, but um, it's a very cool thing. We talk about some resources at the end. But it helps people navigate personal relationships. It also can be used on like, you know, like like countries on the verge of war, like kind of conflict uh, resolution and de-escalation and all of that. Um, and to help us talk about it, I invited um, one of my good friends, Maya, and her partner, Rory, who is awesome, um, to kind of give us some context and some examples of how they use this in their relationship, mm-hmm. um, and they tell like a really moving kind of compelling story about it. So um, that's what that's what today's show is about.
1: And personally, I'm really excited to use it when I'm navigating with other countries.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, when you're in, in with the when, all of my <laughs> yeah, when you're the peace talks with yeah. NATO. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, so it's really a great conversation. I'm excited for you guys to hear it, and we do talk about some updates that are have at least I talk about a couple updates that are having in my life I talk about a couple updates that are happening in my life, <laughs> in my life. Mm-hmm. um so you know tune in okay so quick housekeeping yep subscribe rate and review right subscribe so our episodes are downloaded rate so our ratings go up review so apple will continue to share it's so important it's so helpful for us share with all your friends grab their phones rate us on their phones um, and we just really appreciate you guys taking the time to do that
2: yes thank you
1: and then head to our patreon patreon.com hello go by podcast subscribe to the patreon you can pledge the three dollar tier you can pledge more you can pledge less anything helps us keep this show going without ads yes so that's the that's the patreon yeah. And you know it's only three dollars, so if a hundred of you subscribed, then the show will be paid for.
2: That's true, yeah, because that's the amount of money that it costs to put it out. Correct. Month after month. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So anyway, that's it.
2: Yay. Okay,
1: we're gonna do quick updates because we want to get you guys to the interview. Yep. Jared, you have a non dating update. What is that?
2: I I'm I guess I'm like doing this triathlon now. <laughs> so. My non dating update is that yesterday I rode my bike 50 miles and then wow. ran five miles.
1: Wow. Now
2: ask me how that was. How was it? It was one of the most unpleasant things I've ever done <laughs> in my life.
1: <laughs> well, what's funny about this, if you're just tuning in for like the first time or whatever, Jared has been on and off trying to figure out if he's going to do this triathlon for over a year. Yeah, since right now. like, I think
2: I registered for it in like. June 2019. Oh, my god. And it was like, you know, it was supposed to run like May 2020. (laughs) Then that got canceled. Now it's May 2021. And I've been back and forth because my shoulders hurt, but it's feeling okay. So I'm doing this thing. Um, I had a really long ride and run yesterday. I think I kind of did everything wrong where you're Mm. supposed to like, you you need to like, like eat stuff as you go and stuff. And like, I didn't do that well. And I just hit a wall and it was... It was not pleasant, but I'm like, eh, fuck it. I'm close enough. I can.
1: Did you, so you didn't swim?
2: I did not. No. Okay.
1: So now you got to add the, what, two mile swim?
2: It's a 1.2 mile swim. It's a 56 mile bike ride and it's a 13 mile run. Oh,
1: that's so intense. I'm I'm just
2: going to keep building on my distances and like get close and then
1: whatever. That's what she said.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Um,
1: What's your, what's your dating update?
2: uh, I'm out of the game.
1: You're out of the game. I'm
2: cashing out. Yeah, I'm, I'm walking. I'm pushing. Deleted um, apps? Uh, yeah. Well, like pause them. Yeah.
1: Wow, yeah. good for you.
2: I just, I was like talking to somebody and like, oh, you know, this is the person I talked about last week. And like, I shared what we talked about, which was like, hey, let's just be kind of friendly and oh, whatever. Oh,
1: yeah. Right? You weren't sure, like you wanted to like be really honest with her, like of where you were at.
2: Yeah, so I did that. She's cool. That's kind of like, you know, just a friendly thing or whatever. Um, and just over the week, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, my heart is not open right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like literally, it feels like that. It's like, I'm not open for business. And, but that feels okay to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to put my energy into myself and into other things. And obviously, like, I think this training and all the time that that takes helps me have something else to focus on and whatever. So, so that's where I'm at.
1: I love that. Yeah,
2: it feels healthy.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. you feel happy to me. Like yeah. I'm sitting here and I feel like there's just like this joy coming out of you. Mm,
2: oh, thanks. Or maybe not
1: joy. I mean, joy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But like contentment. Yes. Yeah.
2: And it, fe- there's like a, it, it feels like there's like a freedom yeah. with it or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, what's happening with you?
1: Okay, so, so it's so interesting that you said that your heart isn't, open, because Mm -hmm. I have been doing affirmations since my breakup of saying, I am ready for love, my heart is open, blah, 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 blah. Well, then I was talking to someone who does a lot of holistic stuff for me. And she was saying, you know, because last week, I had talked about like, what I really want is I want a relationship. Mm. I that is what I want. I, I don't care how much money I have. You know, I would love to have my own apartment. But like, I want love. I want a partner, a healthy partner. And so I changed my affirmation to, I am in a healthy relationship.
2: Oh. I am
1: loved by my partner. And Mm. I just kind of changed my affirmations to like, this is where I was or where I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And last week after we recorded, Mm -hmm. I ended up having a FaceTime with this guy that I had like briefly talked to on Hinge. Mm Mm-hmm. And it went really well. And I like like meeting as soon as possible to mm-hmm. see if there's like yep. chemistry. And we met up at Eureka Burger. Yes, <laughs> of and we had it was a two hour like talk. Wow. One drink
2: mm-hmm.
1: and no kiss. Mm-hmm. And it was like really great conversation. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, he's cool. Like, I, I think I like him. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like one of those things where, like, you want to rip each other's clothes off, yeah. like, right away. Mm-hmm. But I I appreciated him for who he was. But so my, and I go into this in more depth in this interview, but my uh, anxieties, and you guys, if you've been following along with our journey, I have talked about this from the beginning, that my thing is, I just get so scared in the beginning that I find, everything that's wrong with the person Mm, and -hmm. try and push them away and the guys that have really hung in there and gotten in a relationship with me are the ones that don't run from that yeah but they they're like okay they give me the space they and then once that space is given to me then i'm like oh okay you're cool yeah you know so that kind of happened with this person. I, I'm doing a better job of communicating. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, the day after the date, I was just kind of like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just having some concerns. There's some similarities between my past partners. like, And we both kind of laugh because we're so similar to people we've dated. So mm-hmm. then that's a fear, right? It's like, well, yep. am I dating the same person? Yep. Well, then it was like, then I called them later that week and I'm like, I don't know if I'm still over my ex. I'm like working through this. Yeah. And again, he was just like, okay. Okay. He was just yep. like, well, he's like, do you still want to talk? Like, it was just, it's just so weird that I keep running into these guys that are just mm-hmm. like, okay. And, um, you know, he's actually an anxious, secure attachment style. Okay. So it's a little different. And mm-hmm. so I think it's triggering a little bit of my disorganized. Okay. Okay. But we've like navigated through it. Mm-hmm. And once I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm over my ex. I'm still working on it. And he gave me that space. We were talking on the phone after that for like an hour and a half. Yeah.
2: And now you really like him.
1: And now I really <laughs> like him. We like, we talked all, the, I was, cause I, oh, another update is it went to Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. I took like an R&R trip solo by myself. It was amazing. I felt super rejuvenated. And so there was a lot of driving and I was talking to, we talked on the phone for like an hour here, an hour there. And we met up again last night and it was amazing.
2: Oh, that's so wonderful.
1: And um, I'm just like super, and you know, I'm a little concerned, like I will continue, I'll have another freak out, right? Sure. And I may. Yep. And I'll just communicate that to him and he may be able to, to work with me and he may not, you yeah. know, and I just have to... I just have to continue to show up to these relationships as I am as secure as I can be Mm -hmm. communicate what I'm feeling and you know, the right person will be able to kind of like move through that with me.
2: Yeah. I think that's so cool. And I, you and I have talked about this before, but like that need to like put out there like this disclaimer or this concern or like. And, and it's all like, whenever I've done that in the early stages, like what I'm really saying is like, I need like, I'm really sort of trying to answer the question of like, am I allowed to just be myself here? Am I allowed to show up and sometimes not be totally into this Mm -hmm. or be scared or whatever? And if the other person says, yes, I can accept that side of you too. Yeah it is such a relief from my fears and anxieties and it feels amazing to feel sort of seen and understood and accepted that then, yeah, that's when you're like, okay, I super like you now after I just told you all the things that I, that makes me think that this relationship can't work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And once you accepted that now I'm in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And it's just like, nice. It's like, I like you. I really like you too. Like, Mm -hmm. I miss you. I miss you too. You know, and yeah. there's just a, it's just nice to feel again like I have someone who's in the same part of the pool as me.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: And, you know, we're going to like work towards, you know, sure. going, keep staying at the same part of the pool. And I'll have a more in depth update for you guys next week.
2: Yeah. And now, after this conversation with Rory and Maya about NVC, you're going to be even better equipped to. Reconcile issues when they come
1: totally. up. Totally. <laughs> I want be perfect at them. Yeah. Um, okay, you guys will enjoy this interview. We'll see you after.
2: Bye. Okay. So we are here with uh, two guests that I'm really excited about um, Maya and Rory. And so Maya is a friend of mine. I'm going to read the little blurb that they sent us, which is that uh, Rory and Maya live in Berkeley, California where they wonder how people get through capitalism and and work on skills that make being human even more wonderful or less daunting, depending on the day. Rory enjoys bicycles, cooking, and working in the garden. Maya enjoys eating Rory's cooking and all things people-related. They practice nonviolent communication to keep their relationship resonant and their communication effective. Rory has been learning NVC for 12 years, mostly through sessions with a therapist who focuses on restorative empathy. He also attends a men's group that meets twice a month. Maya is finishing a year-long course out of the New York Center for NVC and also meets with a practice group regularly. They're both grateful for the ways in which nonviolent communication has helped them to connect with themselves, with one another, and with others in their lives. So welcome, Rory and Maya. Yay! Thank you
0: for having us. We're excited.
2: Yeah, thank you for being here. So, and and it's you know, this is exciting for us because you all are two people who practice nonviolent communication in your relationship and in your lives and everything like that. So I think we're going to be teaching our listening audience, right? And Leanna about, (laughs) (laughs) about like what nonviolent communication is and how it works. And so, and from reading your intro, you two are like sort of, certainly much more expert in it than I am. Um, But what I'm going to try to do is give a little, like a very abridged um, intro. And I would love for you all to, correct me jump in and then we'll kind of transition into talking about how this shows up for the two of you does that sound good sounds great excellent awesome okay so now i'm just gonna shift to talking to you liana because liana yeah, what do you now know I'm about like, okay now i'm like really kind
1: of thinking like did you want to do this episode because you're trying to tell me something no no <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> because you and he, Jared and I have gotten in a couple like spats and it's usually no. me initiating it, but I feel like it's, we've done a good job. Yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's always something we can work on. you're like, we should do an episode. Of
2: <laughs> no, actually I'm just obsessed with this lately and just conflict. And there's so much like happening in our world.
0: Um, I definitely never heard of
2: two people Working closely together and getting into spots Are, are you sure that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Weird huh Isn't that crazy I know Okay so here we go okay. So nonviolent communication was created by Marshall Rosenberg Who was sort of trained as a psychologist And um, I think one of the cool things about it Is is that it has some sort of social justice roots So like Marshall's experience is of Like anti-Semitism, uh, you know were part of what influenced this and it's it's used in conflict resolution for everything from like couples and relationships to like you know n- n- like nation state disputes, right? So the way I like to explain it is the principal assumption that it starts from is that giving and receiving from others sort of freely and joyfully, like that's what's natural to human beings. Um, and actually like other people kind of coming to you with their needs, even that is a gift, right? Mm -hmm. Um, however, we live in a world that's based on where the language we use with one another is like right, wrong, fair, unfair, like, you know, uh, and it's sort of predicated on this idea that sort of people are bad and need to be kind of controlled through guilt and shame, right? And so the way Marshall talks about this, which I love, is he's like, you know, giving and receiving is our natural state. So we could all be playing a game called making life more wonderful, which by the way, I saw the clever little reference to that, uh, the Maya and Rory that, that you put in your your intro. But instead, we don't play that game. We play a game called who's right, mm. right? And so, um, so the idea is all conflict arises because of, um, unmet needs, right? And that even when people are sort of speaking to you in anger, like saying like mean things to you, like they're saying that because there's a need of theirs that not, that is not getting met and that that's a sort of tragic expression of, of the unmet need, Right. Tragic, not because it's inherently wrong, but because it's not going to lead to you getting your needs met, right? So, my Android, you guys, what would you add so far? How how am I doing? I loved it.
3: I think you nailed it, and yeah, it definitely touched things I, I would have missed.
0: Yeah, I, I love the way you describe it. I think one important thing is for me has always been that the needs are universal. So mm-hmm. all humans have these needs. And I think as we get into it, we can touch on this, that it's very helpful in nonviolent communication that there's sort of an inventory list of needs and feelings, which Jared will get to, which helps us focus what might otherwise be judgments and thoughts and criticisms into more distilled forms of what it is that we need and what it is that other people in our lives need.
2: Yeah. That's like, and I love that Maya. That's like one of the cool sort of things where I really think about nonviolent communication a lot these days in relationship to social justice, because this language of like right, wrong, appropriate, inappropriate is so like culturally bound. It's like, oh, you're you're different from me. That must mean that you're wrong, right? And whereas on the level of needs, like these are like a cultural and universal to human beings, right?
1: But also like there are some people that are just wrong. (laughs)
2: Wow! Yeah.
1: <laughs> In our relationship, it's
0: helpful that that's always Rory. So there's, there's which is a very high need, I think, for human. Um,
2: mm-hmm. So say, hey, and clarity
0: and clarity, and there's clarity.
2: Exactly. Thank you. Um, so Marshall uses this metaphor of like jackal language versus giraffe language, right? And not- jackal. Yeah. Okay. So Jacko language is this sort of like language that we're taught by our culture of like right and wrong where you're making moral judgments and criticisms of others. And it's about, you know, having power over others to get them to comply with your sort of demands. Right. Um, giraffe language, which by the way, did you know that giraffes are the, have the largest heart of any land mammal? So that's why (laughs) it's giraffe language. Um, really is sort of four things, right? It's observations, feelings, needs, and requests, right? And it's about creating a quality of connection where everyone's needs can get met, which is another thing I dig because like, so nonviolent communication posits like that compromise is not the goal Mm. because compromise is like, well, I have all of these needs, but I guess I'm just going to have to live with only this many of them getting met because we have to meet in the middle or whatever. Mm. And what NVC posits is like, no, everyone's needs can get met. Now, they might not get met from your first choice of strategy for meeting mm-hmm. those needs, but the need itself can be met. Interesting. And it's got this idea, right, as opposed to the jack language compliance model, is that the only time we actually want others to meet our needs is if they're giving freely from their heart. Because if it doesn't come from that place, if it comes from the, like, I'm doing this so you won't be mad at me later, Marshall says that we pay for it, the person who's sort of acquiescing and doing the thing. And then we're going to make everyone else pay for it later Mm -hmm. because we're going to be resentful, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So observations, feelings, needs, requests. That sounds really simple, right? Except- 90% of what human beings say to each other when we're in conflict is none of these things, (laughs) right? Like most of the time, it's like what we think our opinions about the other person. And a lot of times it's our diagnosis of what they're thinking or what they're doing, you know? So Mm -hmm. examples of things that are like not observations, feelings, needs, or requests are, you're not listening. He talks too much. She gets angry every time I bring something up it's not fair that you dot, dot, dot. You only care about dot, dot, dot. Right. See, all of these things are like, we're sort of jumping into the other person's brain.
1: Mm-hmm. You uh, always do.
2: Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Dr. Lauren talked to us about like mm-hmm. the always, never like, yeah. right. Um, okay. Maya Rory. What would you add? What am I missing?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. Oh, I think there, yeah, there can often be like name calling. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I think, goes like makes is just kind of snowballs in those situations where then someone you're adding hurt. So besides whatever feelings were already there, you're like hurting someone and Mm. it's also not meeting your own needs. Right. So I think, yeah, just centering and, and getting to your feelings and needs, even though our culture has totally trained us not to do that so that we can be good little capitalists and, and serve the wheels of commerce
0: (laughs) right and i think that's key though we aren't taught to self-connect generally we aren't in systems right we don't go to school and when we express frustration in school generally we we act it out right which we i think it's gabor mate who deals with trauma talks about how when when a child is acting out they're acting out because they can't verbalize hence we are Mm. acting it out that is our only option Mm. and so when we act out as kids we don't no one comes up to to us and says oh young rory you're yelling at a teacher right you must have some unmet needs what are they are you needing more stimulation Mm -hmm. are you needing more connection no you would get punished as a child Mm. when your needs go unmet and so we aren't taught how to self-connect and one of the things that I love about nonviolent communication is that, in, and other people call it needs-based relating these days in circles, What the first thing you need to do in order to tell someone that you're in conflict with what it is that you need is figure out what it is that you need, which I would say for me is the hardest part. It's slowing down enough to turn in and say, what am I feeling and what am I needing and certainly that's already difficult. And if I have someone calling me, I'm not sure what the language expectations here are. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. But if I have someone calling me an asshole, especially if I have someone I love being like, you're being an asshole, that doesn't make that self-connection any easier for me to communicate in a way that is based in needs.
3: Yeah. And I think using your school example, like not only are we not supported in, in connecting with our needs or identifying them, we're punished for doing it. Like. -hmm. This is my only strategy I have: acting out, yelling at a teacher to to try to bring attention to my needs that are precious and universal. Uh, But sorry, we don't have space for that, so we're going to put you in the corner instead. And good luck, good luck learning those skills.
2: Yeah, I I, I think it's so interesting what you two are bringing, like how this perpetuates, right? Like because then we're carrying around this woundedness, and then we respond to others in that same way of like this compliance, like not, not, you know, and, and I think I'm with you as well, Maya, like the hardest thing for me is connecting to my feelings. And so much like when, you know, when you do NVC work with other people, when you get to this step of like talking about feelings, the like, people are like, I'm feeling this. And like 90% of the time, it's like, that's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's like, I'm feeling used or I'm feeling like you're belittling me, like those things aren't actually feelings, mm-hmm. right? That's again, like our diagnosis of what the other person is doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think it's, sorry, Lena, oh, no, go, no, ahead. No, go ahead. I think it's helpful in that context to mention that there's this list. There are a few different versions of the list. It doesn't really matter which one you're looking at, but there's a list that's called an inventory of feelings and an inventory of needs. And on the inventory of feelings, there are things like frustrated, sad, angry, hurt, happy, satisfied, all these different feelings. And generally, if you want to say you feel something, but it's not on the list, it's a thought. So, you're not listening to me is not on the feelings list. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I feel like you're not listening to me in nonviolent communication gets translated into I feel sad and frustrated because I think that you're not listening to me. Mm. And that leaves space for the other person to understand that this is what you're experiencing because we're taught that we're not allowed to argue with other people's feelings, right? So you're leaving someone very little space to show up. If you say something like, I feel like you're not listening to me and similar. And we'll go into strategies maybe later, but there's sort of a similar parallel with needs and strategies where if it's not on the needs list, it's not a need. It's a strategy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that doesn't make sense at this point.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, it's interesting, like, we had um, a psychologist on, Dr. Lauren Fogel-Mercy, on one of our episodes, and we talked about the Gottman method and the four horsemen of, like, what can happen with, like, um, poor communication or poor conflict navigation. And it's, like, contempt, um, criticism. Criticism defensiveness and stonewalling stonewalling. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it makes sense. Like all of these things kind of come out. And also I really like what you guys are saying because I think, you know, so much in like therapy and even in like expert, like podcasts and stuff, they're like, make sure you say, I feel, I feel like, I feel like, and you're right. Like, it just doesn't work. Like it's, it's like I, my ex-boyfriend, like he would always say, Like, I would always say, I feel like you're blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that doesn't help me, you know, because it's like, he's right. And it's so interesting because we're always taught that. And I really like the phrase, like the story that I'm telling myself is, and it Mm -hmm. makes me feel. So like that kind of like, I can really relate to that.
2: Yeah. 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 And it's like, yeah. So you never want to say, I feel like, or I feel that. Right. Mm -hmm. And you never want to follow. I feel with a pronoun, like, I feel you aren't listening or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all these words that we use, like, intimidated, misunderstood, used, judged, ignored, rejected, like, that are, again, not feelings, right? Those are, like, this is, like, me labeling what I think you're doing to me right now, mm. right? Um, so I wonder if we can take a quick... Oh, go ahead, Maya.
0: I was just going to suggest maybe it's helpful to have an example in this context.
2: That, but I wonder if you're... Yeah, so there. actually... Well, what I was going to do is actually, like, ask the two of you, like, how you found NVC and kind of what your journey, you know, which each of your journeys is in terms of that.
0: Yeah. You go first. (laughs) Okay.
2: Um, In my early 20s, I
3: lived on a few different intentional communities that happened to be in the Midwest. And they uh, operated by consensus decision making. And so NVC was a very helpful tool that a lot of them use in conflict resolution and just, you know, both in like business meetings and in personal relationships. And because you tend to in that situation run into conflict more frequently than you might, you know, in an office job or, or however a normal life. And then some years after that, I connected with my therapist who is primarily trained in NBC and uses that as her main modality as a way of offering empathy and like resonant listening that is something a lot of us didn't get from our parents. Mm -hmm. And so it was a deep wound, I think, for a lot of us. Mm. And, um, yeah, I've also connected with a, a men's group and we offer empathy to each other. So that's, that's mainly been my path.
0: I was curious about nonviolent communication for a while. I'd heard about it from different people in my different people related circles and never quite got around to diving in And then a global pandemic happened, and Rory and I had been dating for two and a half months, which is certainly enough time to know someone before you move in with them. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had given up my apartment and my job and uh, given away most of my belongings with a plan to move abroad in May of 2020. And so in March when shelter in place happened a couple of months before my flight, and it was very slowly, embarrassingly slowly dawning on me that I wouldn't be going to Italy. Certainly not at the time that I thought we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, but I don't, I don't remember how it came up, but I ended up moving into Rory's room. Um, And so we were sharing a bedroom in a two bedroom apartment with Rory's housemate, who's a sweetheart um, on a very loud street with very little common space and very little outdoor space. Mm. And Rory had practiced nonviolent communication for a while. And I took a crash course (laughs) 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 because Not only were we suddenly living together and we actually didn't know each other that well, but both of our communities, essentially overnight, our jobs, our friends, or at least our ability to be indoors and be, and at the time, remember at the beginning, it wasn't yet clear, like out, like we just, we didn't know, right? So just so much of our connection and our, our structure and our understanding of the world as we knew it fell away essentially overnight and there were a lot of feelings and there were a lot of unmet needs and there was only one other person to look at (laughs) with all those. Wow. Mm
3: -hmm. It was really catastrophic almost.
0: It was not boring. We were
3: not
2: bored. Can you all sort of then kind of like, what has that journey been like for the two of you in your relationship and how has NBC shown up?
3: Yeah, I think as we kind of just alluded to, there was just like suddenly this plethora of unmet needs and like a novel living situation for both of us and just like a lot of confusion and not so much fear, but just like unknowing, like what is the world going to be like? So there was just a lot that was happening. And I mean, thankfully, Maya is extremely patient and understanding and committed to connection and I think... Yeah, thankfully I had some experience with NDC and were able to d- kind of dive into feelings and needs when we were in conflict. And
0: I don't think we would have made it a month otherwise um, because it just hurts too much to not understand the other person's um, needs because what happens when you can't understand the other person's needs is that it's because of you and
3: or whatever story you have or have created.
0: Right. Which I think tends to be usually for me, at least the worst case scenario, right? If someone isn't talking to me, they hate me and it's not that they're busy. It's not that they're distracted. They don't like me. They're judging me. Right. And if, if, I think one of the biggest things when I first moved in is I come from a very affectionate family verbally and physically. We were held a lot. We were touched a lot. We were constantly affirmed. Rory comes from a family that is very warm and affectionate and does not express it in the probably unusual frequency and level and and level of touch that I'm used to. And so, and I'm used to like cuddling with my friends and And having a lot of that intimacy in my relationships and in my friendships, Mm -hmm. right? And suddenly it wasn't, I wasn't, those needs were not getting met. Those needs for intimacy and connection and touch and affection were not being met in my friendships because I wasn't seeing any of my friends in person up close. And the first few weeks of living with Rory, I just, I would lay awake at night and just maybe weeks is a long time, but I would just run these scenarios in my mind of why he isn't putting his hands on me. I don't mean sexually like to, to, you know, get into having sex. I just mean like affectionate touch, like why he wouldn't put his hand on my back or like hug me more. And the scenarios that were playing out, none of the scenarios in my mind were ever he didn't grow up that way or he's incredibly stressed and that's his reaction. No, they were all, it's because you're overweight, you need to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Right. It's because you're not pretty enough. It's because you're talking too much. It's because all these really mean self-criticisms that were, to me, explaining why he wasn't touching me. And finally, I think I figured out to sit down with Rory and say, I think also I had been reading a book maybe about nonviolent communication. I don't remember when exactly I got the tools, but to sit down and say, I feel confused and sad and scared and frustrated because I notice that you are not putting your hands on me very often. And I think that's because you don't like me and you don't want me to be here. And I'm asking you to help me figure out why I'm here or I'm asking you to let me in on what is going on for you. Some version of that.
1: And it turns out that
0: you didn't hate me. which is good.
1: Um, So I want to say thank you so much for being so vulnerable about that experience. And, you know, our listeners can't see you guys, but like Rory, your face when Maya, you started talking about it was just like pure, like, like empathy towards what Maya had been going through at the time. It was really sweet. Almost brought tears to my eyes, but, and then Maya, just your, like, just openness about, what you experienced because of other maybe trauma that you'd been through of other experiences that you're unconsciously bringing into the relationship. And, you know, it's like when we have so many outside stressors coming in and like, there's like COVID has is just, it's insane. Like we will never forget this time of our lives, it has just been absolutely insane, you know, and it's, it's just really great that you guys have found a way to be, to be able to make it work because you guys are such a beautiful couple and whatever happens in the future, like you've created a space of safety for both of you. Um, I do want to ask you guys, are you guys into attachment theory? Like, do you have an attachment style that you know of that you're bringing to the relationship?
3: I mean, I think it changed for me after COVID. <laughs> I thought I was working on earned secure, but no, I'm <laughs> probably more anxious avoidant.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, is there a little uh, um, avoid. fearful avoidant? Is that what you kind of.
3: Um, I don't know. I'm not familiar oh, okay. with that. Okay. So, so there's two I'm types of
1: avoidant. There's, fearful avoidant and dismissive avoidant and dismissive Uh is like, I'm just, I'm just gonna, this isn't working for me. I'm just going to turn this off. I'm going to move on. You know, fearful avoidant is like, Jared, why don't you speak on that?
2: Cause, cause I am
1: (laughs) (laughs) really quick though. Maya, do you, do you have some anxious, uh, attachment style?
0: I'm not sure. I'm not super familiar with the attachment okay. Styles. I think
1: you know.
2: <laughs> I feel like Maya overall, like knowing you, Maya. I feel like you're very secure, but I think in times of stress, like you, you might lean more towards anxious than than avoidant, right? Because you know, and even in the story you told about you and Rory, is like you're like reaching out. You're like I'm feeling disconnected, and I'm sort of reaching towards the right. Person,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I don't mean to like. I'm not trying to blanket you guys into like one thing, oh, but you know we cuz we can all show up as different attachment styles in different situations right and so i was just hearing that that story and i'm like okay you know sh- there was some anxiousness that was created there which could have been um a reaction to some avoidance right and so then there's that push pull of like you know maya you're wanting to cling on more and rory you're like no i need to which is then causing more of the um, the need for intimacy. Okay. Now you go.
2: Fearful avoidant. So <laughs> I think the, uh, I mean, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to do a good job of this. I don't even know. Okay. What to so, say.
1: so basically fearful avoidant is like still it's, it's like you want intimacy so badly, but there's a fear of abandonment mm. and, and also fear that you're going to be taking on the responsibility of the other person. Mm -hmm. so instead of drawing closer to them even though that's like really what you want you're like this is overwhelming I feel like I'm going to be responsible for them and I'm just going to go this way Mm -hmm. is that a good way of explaining it yes that's a
2: good way or and it's all it also all comes down to like I'm going to be sort of hurt and devastated by another so to protect myself I need to sort of like um, Mm. kind of close off in a way okay so what does this look like for the two of you now? Like, are you like, like what does a typical, like, I don't know, quote unquote fight look like, or like,
1: yeah, you guys don't fight anymore.
3: (laughs) You
0: don't
1: fight anymore. You guys are perfectly evolved. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're, we're done with the fighting. Um, I think interestingly, there was a time when I was really committed to just the NBC. And to me, that meant sort of never losing not never losing my shit, but like I would very much try to restrain myself if I felt like I was going to lose my shit. And I've since been trying to learn.
3: Do you want to define that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) For me, losing my shit is, is taking out the filter that's trying to translate my judgments into needs. So instead of what, what I'm thinking is you're selfish. You never see me. I've been doing all the work in this relationship and I want to punch you. Right. That's, and losing my shit is just yelling all of that in a row. And, and also I'll say that I am, I'm an aggressive, when I get mad, I get aggressive. Um, which is scary to me because though my mother never physically hurt me, she similarly, when she gets mad, she gets aggressive. And it's scary to, to see someone like emanating sort of violence that way. And so to me, losing my shit would be like taking something and throwing it at the floor and or slamming doors and or telling someone exactly what I'm thinking about them at that moment. It used to be that I, I felt that I really wasn't allowed to lose my shit. I always needed to translate the judgments into needs and feelings and because over the years i have learned surprisingly that slamming doors and throwing things at the ground and telling people that they're assholes hasn't led to connection and the thing about NBC is that marshall rosenberg posits that what we all ultimately want is connection So even if the other person were to say, you're right, I'm an asshole, that wouldn't actually, or we were to break a bunch of stuff, which is what we want to do, that wouldn't actually meet the need for us. Not if it came from the other person and now they were ashamed and embarrassed and broken because we dominated them. So I used to never like, not never, but I just, I stifled my anger in a certain way. And as time has gone by, I've learned to... Try, they have in nonviolent like, communication something they call compassionate yelling, which is there are ways to get angry and still not abuse the other person.
3: Yeah. I think it's, it's, for me, it's just like a matter of remembering to get back to feelings and needs. And I think, yeah, the pandemic has just made, raised the stakes and made it a lot harder to be self connected. Mm. And so I think this is, I'm hoping this is a brief snapshot of, but just a really challenging time for everyone. And thankfully at least that skill is there. Like if if we really are having trouble, you know, it's just like, go, go get the cards out and go through the needs list and just sit with those needs and feelings and then try to connect.
0: To give context. These are amazing. There's, there are these sets of cards called grok cards um, that you can find online, made by
2: Jean. I can't remember do her last name. Are you
0: looking around for them? Yeah. <gasps> do you
2: want me to go get them? Yes. Okay. Hold on.
0: Ah, oh, they're so good, and they actually just came out with a set that has two sets, so you can do it with the other person. Oh my person. gosh, that's so
1: cool! Do you guys use them in your relationship? Definitely.
0: There's a deck of uh, that all have just every card has one word on it. There's a deck of feelings and a deck of needs. Do you want to say how you use them?
3: Hmm. I think it depends on what's going on. I'll start with either feelings or needs. Sometimes it helps. I mean, I guess it might be more natural to start with feelings, but sometimes that's harder to get to like, it's easier for my brain to go to what, what would resolve whatever uncomfortable feeling I'm having. I just know I'm uncomfortable. So I'm like, so I can do it that in that direction. And usually just like go through the deck and put aside the ones that feel resonant. And then kind of just look at those and think about it and then maybe go on to the feelings. And if we're, if it's part of a conflict we're having, like say, Hey, Maya, do you want to look at these and do you want to do it yourself? And then we can kind of just have a sense of where each other are and have try to get to some point of empathy if we're struggling, if that's what our struggle is.
0: They're super helpful for connecting with yourself because it's kind of confusingly powerful just to sit and look at, them one by one and realize that because anger is very nondescript and it takes over your brain and so to have the prompt to break that down into sad ashamed scared it starts unpacking what's actually going on for you so it leads to self-connection and then with the other person there's almost nothing more humanizing than a minute ago i thought rory was just (laughs) just trying to be mean, right? And then he's doing he's using cards and I can see that he ended up with, you know, five of these this one deck and seven of that and the the feelings are depressed and ashamed and scared and frustrated. And then the needs are sometimes I didn't even know, right? He's wanting like if the need is connection, I'm like, okay, I knew, but if the need is stimulation or fun and play, I'm like, Oh, right. You're a person with feelings and needs. There's an entire world of things going on in you that is not what I was
2: guessing.
1: Can I give a, an example of something that happened recently? Yes, please. Okay. So I've been talking to someone. Okay. And we had, I do my, I'm very anxiously attached. And sometimes it shows up as um, avoidant, but it's really like a cover up for my anxiousness. And so in the beginning of talking to someone, I am so terrified of abandonment that I find every possible thing that is wrong with them and why this won't work and I push them away. And when they're able to like move through that and like show up secure, then I'm like loving and affectionate and I'm like all in. But I need that initial like push away, push away, Um, and, and, but what I've gotten better at though, is explaining what's happening and why I'm pushing away and why I'm having the fears I'm having. Mm. Well, one, um, so one thing that happened is I've had in the past relationships where I I can be a little bougie. Okay. (laughs) I like dressing up. I like wearing heels. I like going to nice restaurants. Like I like kind of like this, there's, I'm super relaxed, chill, like sweatpants, no makeup all the way. But there's this part of me that like, I want to show up to a wedding with a partner who can clean up and like have a nice pair of shoes. And I wasn't ever in a relationship with someone that was able to do that. Now, granted, I am 34. And I think some of that comes with age. But this new person that I'm talking to, um, you know, I just... From what he's told me, his job, his age, I'm like, I need to make sure that this person has the wardrobe that I need. <laughs> so-
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's a need on the list, but okay.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was downtown yeah. recently with my best friend. We were in LA and I sent him a picture and he's like, wow, you look amazing. And I was like, thank you so much. And I said- do you have like nice clothes that you ever dress up in that you go out? And he was like, I mean, not really. And I was like, damn it. (laughs) It's like this all over again. Like I'm not going to have a partner that can like meet me on that level. And so instead of like really thinking about it and like, well, what makes a good partner? Is it like them being able to show up empathetically? Or is it how they dress? Like, you know, like, instead of logically thinking about that, I just sent a text that was like, no worries. I was like, maybe we can go shopping together sometime. (laughs) So what ended (laughs) up happening is he was able to securely come to me when we were hanging out and say that that comment really made him feel anxious. Because in the past, he's been in relationships where he ne- he didn't feel good enough. Mm. And he already felt like uh, that I was like pushing that on him a little bit. And just the fact that he was able to be so honest with me and tell me how he felt. And then immediately I was like, you are so right. I am so sorry that I put that on you and that I wasn't able to really like think about why I was doing that and able to come to you with like, Hey, listen, just so you know, like, it's really important to me that like, um, I'm, I I like kind of having two styles of life and like, it would be really fun if like you could join me along with that, you know, like just a better way of like really figuring out Mm -hmm. how to do it. And so I was so grateful though, that he was able to come to me because I think it's and. Rory, you can tell me if like this is too much generalization, but I think it's so much harder for men to do that.
3: I yeah, I think those of us who are socialized male are particularly encouraged to not experience vulnerability and connect with our feelings because it what mm-hmm. it makes us weak, I guess is this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, like your story the Anna makes me like think of like um what Roy and Maya you both have shared of this idea of like the first step is like stopping like you know like the like sometimes stopping talking to each other and then mm-hmm. like really like turning inside and connecting to yourself and that's why it's so hard for us to to you know do the feeling step because we're taught to not be connected to our feelings and everything like particularly like you know like all the bullshit around masculinity for a lot of men right um, which also then kind of that oppresses women in that like women are trying to like to, to be like cool and like get along with the guys. Like they try to emulate that. Yeah. And it's like a whole thing. But so one of the things, Maya, you brought up empathy earlier and, you know, one of the things that mm-hmm. I have been moved by in like learning NVC is this idea of that. Um, like Marshall talks about it sort of tongue in cheek as like, what is it like uh, learning to enjoy other people's pain? Like he's like, I'm going to teach you how to really enjoy someone else's pain. And then people are like, what, you know, and it's intentionally provocative. But the idea is that if we free ourselves from two things, when someone comes to us, like with needs or, or if they're hurt, if we free ourselves, number one of the idea that like we did something to cause it kind of like, and, mm-hmm. and free ourselves of the idea that it's our job to fix it or to help them fix it or to contribute in any way to fixing it, then what you're able to really do is connect. And then that actually feels really enjoyable that someone is, like, by bringing their needs to you, right? that's bringing a gift. And he says that we all have a superpower that's available to us anytime, which is that, like, what is the most incredibly healing thing in the world is just empathy. And that, and that is available and automatic and natural in us at all times. If we get rid of this, like I have to fix it, I have to do all of that. Um, So that's what I thought of Maya. but like what was, what was going on for you when you were thinking about empathy?
0: Well, I think you both just touched on something so incredible, which is empathy comes to us organically and it is intensely powerful and it comes to us organically when we can see the other person's needs as what they are rather than as something that we something negative that we caused when they're when they're feeling when the feelings are negative or something that we need to fix which I would say are probably the, the two stories that lead to the the Gottman's uh, four horsemen mm-hmm. probably right like the defensiveness and the stonewalling those all come from I did this or I need to fix this And we all know that in real life, as soon as we're made aware of the other person's needs, empathy flows organically, right? So if someone cuts you off on the highway, you yell at them and you curse them. But if then you figure out that their partner is pregnant in the car giving birth, you're like, oh, by all means, like go ahead and get to the hospital, right? Now, not only are you not mad at them anymore, but you're probably wishing them well and wanting to help them. And that's, it's an insane sort of, switch that happens and so why wouldn't we want to have a practice where we can make our needs understandable to other people don't we want people to react that way to our needs rather than with frustration or annoyance or whatever it is Um, but I was hoping earlier that maybe Rory could speak a little bit to the practice of empathy guessing which is something that my understanding is you all practice in men's group and sort of what that what that's like and what that gives you and
3: yeah this is a good time to do that yeah Yeah, let's do it it. I mean this is also sort of what I what my therapist does with me but it's it's like okay here's here's the experience I have and then I think what so many of us are missing from the so-called domination culture that we that we live in and have been raised in is is resonance and like those those two pieces that you mentioned Jared like this is my fault and I you need to fix it like when we're in relationship with our parents that it's scary. It's probably really scary for them to have this, this helpless being who they're responsible for having feelings. And so it's really hard for them to just say, Oh, sweetheart, it sounds like you're really scared. And I think.
0: It's really hard for the parents to say that to the child. Exactly. Because the parents are going through their own.
3: They have their own mm-hmm. process and, and these two these two things, this is my problem, and I need to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just that, just having someone guess at your needs and your feelings is just so powerful. And and it just there's like a palpable lightning of your body when when it when it lands and, and feels resonant. And mm. I think that is that is like a transformative practice. And I think people you're also, as you say, able to do it with yourself. And I think that's often the key. Like I I often don't get to the point when someone cuts me off on the highway of, oh, uh, here's what your guess is, your your needs might be right now that would have led you to do that. And I think if we can look at our own needs, like, oh, I'm really fucking pissed because I have the story that you don't care about my needs. And so I really want to be seen as having needs. And I don't think you met that by cutting me off. So if we can give our empathy first, I think that that self connection is critical in, in connection with others. And, and as I've like slowly eroded those, those stories and the learning from the domination culture, I think it's, it's so much easier to access that empathy, which I think, it's, I mean, it, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it, it certainly serves capitalism to, to not have access to that and just sort of have easily go to story about other people and, and how they're trying to wrong us and they're wrong and bad. And,
0: and it's, it's the ultimate tool for de-escalation in all situations from, and Marshall Rosenberg writes about this, from an intimate relationship fight or any fight to someone holding a weapon up to you, Right is is actually is empathizing with the other person because people react to empathy even if it takes a few tries by putting down their weapons whether they're figurative or literal if we can if we can do it right obviously it's not the i'm not recommending the people anyway (laughs) can can we give an example can you
1: give an example will you empathy guess
0: at me sure
1: Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to give like the listeners a kind of like a how to, because empathy guessing is like so important. And it's something that I've done actually in like couples therapy before. Uh-huh. And so I would love to have you guys do like, yeah, just like a quick kind of role play of how that works. Cool.
0: Okay. So, um, do you have an easy example for being the person who's angry? And the great thing is that the person you're working with doesn't need to be a practitioner of nonviolent communication at all um really long day hard day at work let's say I'm tired already I'm already annoyed I come into our space and I see that you know classic partner things like the dishes aren't done and I go downstairs and I tell Rory I can't believe you're such a fucking asshole (laughs) that's what I start with because he promised me that he would do the dishes multiple times and he knows how important it is to me and he knows that I'm working so hard at work and he didn't do them. So I, cu- I just walk into the room and I look at him and I say, you're such a fucking asshole.
3: Honey, it sounds like you're feeling really upset.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling upset because you're an asshole. The one thing I asked you to do is do the dishes. What You've been home all fucking day. What have you been doing?
3: It sounds like you're upset and you're having a strong need for being met in this relationship.
0: Yeah. I just, I just don't understand. I just don't. It's, it, I just, it makes me feel like you just, you don't care about me and you aren't listening.
3: So it sounds like you're frustrated and you're angry and you're confused as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm frustrated. I'm yeah. I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I just, I am. I'm confused. What? Wh- why aren't the dishes? Can you tell me why they're not done?
3: Seems like you're wanting clarity about what what I was doing today when I yes, I, I doing want the clarity. Case.
0: Yes, I would like some clarity.
3: And maybe some understanding too. Right. <laughs>
0: <don't have> any-
1: <laughs> I love this. Okay, first of all, Maya. If you're not in acting, (laughs) I would get an agent. (laughs) Rory, you did a great job too. (laughs) No, I appreciate both of you. That was so good. And I think, you know, like as much as we want to be like, you know, when we're upset, we come, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling. But like, like probably 95% of the time. It's not, it's not going to happen that way until we practice, 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 practice it. I mean, how many people are learning about nonviolent communication? You know, I mean, you look at how we grow up, the relationship with our parents, how we learn how to conflict, navigate conflict with our friends, relationships, whatever. And so Rory, that was such a great example of like, you didn't react to her, um, anger, and instead, like you guys were saying, you de-escalated the situation. And then maybe, you know, after Maya feels understood and then she really gets to the bottom of it and she's like, wow, I'm so sorry I reacted that way. Thank you so much for understanding me. You know, like it's just such a powerful tool.
0: And maybe we get there and maybe we don't, but for sure it doesn't turn into what it would have turned into mm-hmm. if we had just taken my initial statement and ran with it. Right. Mm -hmm. It would have turned into a full blown ugly night. And instead we can, and what I was trying to sort of give an idea is I slowly got less mad as he was. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, sometimes we get mad because we're like, stop empathy guessing. I just want to talk to you. But.
3: Often I think that just a deep non-judgmental listening is what someone who's activated needs. And that, that kind of, lowers takes a few notches off the intensity Mm -hmm.
2: yeah and i I think what was so cool is in the example right like you had to give my like a couple doses of empathy before she kind of cooled down right and i think um you know like marshall talks about like putting on giraffe ears right like and so like not just sort of speaking in giraffe language, but listening in giraffe language too, where even if someone comes up to you and says, You're an asshole, or like, you know what your problem is? You don't care about anyone but yourself, like, blah, 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 blah. Like he says, You know, never hear what other people think of you. Mm. Just don't hear it. Like, and like what you should be hearing is, Wow, this person is hurting in some way. And their sort of pain or their unmet need is kind of causing them to sort of talk to me like this. And if I can hear what that is, then, you know, like then, then that quality of connection is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm wondering, I know we're, um, I'm wondering Leanna, like if we can walk through with you, cause we actually haven't talked much about requests yet Yeah. Mm-hmm. about like, um, you know, so it's observations, feelings, needs, and then requests. So can you think of a specific time either with your ex, or it could be a specific time even like with your mom or your sister, like something that they're doing that is like upsetting you?
1: And then I, what do you want me to say? Like how I requested so, so it? So
2: I, I, I want you to first say, let's first do observations and feelings, which is when you do insert behavior, I feel feeling.
1: Okay. So, um, so I remember in my last relationship, I like spent all day, like I didn't even live there. And I woke up, he had gone to work. I spent all day fully cleaning his apartment, doing all his dishes, putting them away. And I got a text later that said, Hey, thanks so much for doing that. But you really need to do a better job of washing the dishes.
0: no. <laughs> Yes. But
1: he was joking. No.
2: (laughs) Oh, wait, yeah. Wasn't that like there was a specific thing of like, oh, this dish still had food on it? It, Yeah. He's
1: like, you're not paying attention. There was like still some food left on one of the dishes. Right. So I'm pissed. Like, I'm just, it ruined my day. Like, it ruined my whole day. I'm pissed. And so I decided instead of reacting immediately, I. I thought about it. I got in the car. I drove over because we were supposed to have dinner together. I waited till we ate because I was starving. And I just tried to like, just, you know, be as calm as possible. And then I said, hey, you know, I really would like to talk about something. Um, And I didn't ask him if he was ready. Like I should have been like, are you open to talking about something right now? Mm. I just said, hey, I really need to talk about something. And I said, you know, when you did this, it made me feel um, like really frustrated and it hurt my feelings. And then the reaction, I mean, it just turned into this massive fight because there was defensiveness. Um, It was, you know, I can never, I, he never can do anything right. Like I should have told him a different way. I should have told him sooner. Like all the, it, there was a lot of like unhealthy behavior in that relationship, but I don't know. Is that the no, example No, that's good. You yeah.
2: So like, so like, so it's, it's sort of like, so when you um tell me that I didn't do the dishes correctly, right. <laughs> it makes me feel frustrated. Yeah. Because I am needing, like, what would you say you were needing?
1: Um, like uh, appreciation. Like, hey,
2: that's thank a need. you yeah, so that's a huge much yeah, yeah. for
1: spending two hours of your day, mm-hmm. instead of working, cleaning my apartment. Like that's all I wanted was like, wow, thank you so much. I am so appreciative. Thank you for all the little notes that you put around the apartment and for like making me a snack, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? But yeah. instead it was like, hey, thanks. Um, but you didn't do this right.
2: Yeah. You know? And so, and, and so then, so, you know, because I'm needing appreciation, right? And then the next step is the request, which like um, you want to frame positively. So a request should never be like, don't do X mm-hmm. and Y or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what would you, what would be your request? So, the requ- uh, so
1: then the request would be, and I think I kind of said that maybe is, mm-hmm. um, you know, or maybe I didn't, but in the future, I would really just like to be appreciated. And if there's a dish that isn't washed correctly, just wash it yourself. <laughs> like, that's really what I wanted to say. And maybe I said that, maybe I did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. And so maybe that's where it started spinning. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Can you think of a better way of how to request that? No, I think that makes okay. sense.
2: I don't know, my and Rory... What do y'all think?
3: I, I think you nailed it. And I also agree that it's helpful to check in and say, before you bring something like, Hey, do you have the resources right now to hear a request?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and it sounds like, cause I know you and I have talked about this, but that pattern is something that occurred a lot. And so you were with someone who, as soon as you, e- even no matter how carefully you brought forward, uh, feeling, you know, your feelings, needs and requests that this was a person who would go right to this place of defensiveness. And so it's almost like then then you'd be in the sort of Rory seat, you yeah. know, from the example. Yeah, that like I'd be there. bringing
1: the request and the need and then have to comfort.
2: Have to give empathy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, yeah. and so when he's like, well, you didn't do it right and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, and then putting on your draft ears, which is like, are you feeling blank because you are needing blank?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And sometimes I did really well at that and sometimes I didn't. And I mean, obviously that relationship didn't work out because there was not emotional reciprocity. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think it was a good like learning experience of like my first really, that was to be, (laughs) this is probably shocking. That was like the healthiest relationship I had been in. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. And, and maybe it's just because I was able to show up as a healthier person. Yeah, You know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, should we, should we try and wrap this up friend? I think so. You know, I would love to just give some resources to our listeners of where they can go learn about this. Rory, if you feel comfortable talking about your men's group, I know we have some men who listen that I don't know if it's like open to, if it's like an online thing or if it's like a closed, like personal thing, but I would just love to give our listeners just some ways to kind of, implement this into their lives.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um there's the Center for Nonviolent Communication and their website is cnvc.org. And there's also on YouTube just I think tons of multiple hours long talks and workshops by Marshall Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. So you can probably just search Marshall Rosenberg. And I'll plug our local radio station KPFA in Berkeley that has a show called uh, once weekly show called Talk It Out Radio. That's hmm. all NBC. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah. Do you have any you want to add?
0: Um, I think Rory's men's group is not open. They okay. have sort of as many folks as they can accommodate time wise. I will say though that the practice of getting together with the same group of people on a regular basis and practicing just each person sharing what's going on for them. And the other people holding a list of feelings and needs and just empathy guessing, which literally is just the formula. Are you feeling choose something from the feeling list because your need for choose something from the need, something from the need list is or isn't being met is an incredible way to practice that muscle of of empathy and giraffe ears. Um, The New York Center for Nonviolent Communication offers a year-long class called the Compassion Course, which you can pay on a sliding scale. It is fully online. It is as little or as much commitment as you want. The emails are weekly. The conferences are monthly. But if you can't read them or can't go that month or that week, Then you can catch up at your own time. And they have an amazing forum where you can connect with other folks. You can find an empathy buddy or an empathy practice group if you want. And they start in June. So if you're interested in joining the 21 cohort, you can just go online and join.
1: It's very accessible. And that's accessible for men and women. And
0: and non-binary folks and anyone really at all. Um, Perfect.
2: Yeah. Well, and I would add to the list too, if you go to Apple Podcasts or whatever and just type in nonviolent communication, um, there's a great series that is all, you know, similar to what Rory is saying that's on YouTube, is available on Apple Podcasts. And there's the first ones on that feed, like the oldest episodes on that feed, there's like an eight part series that really gives you the history and really dives into it. Um, For folks that aren't ready for like that deep of a dive, there's a three part, it's called nonviolent communication, the basics. And it's like a recording of a workshop led by Marshall Rosenberg many years ago. Um, And it's just sort of three episodes that really walk through the whole thing in a helpful way. Like I've listened to all three of those episodes like three or four times a piece for sure. Yeah.
0: And I will say that, Marshall, Ro- Marshall Rosenberg sounds like the grandpa you've always wanted to have, like listening to him read the first eight sessions, I think, and listening to him speak is just not only an educational, but also a deeply soothing experience. Mm-hmm. And don't be heartbroken if after listening to all the episodes, you Google him and you find out that he is no longer alive. I'm just going to tell you now so you know how to mm-hmm. talk. Emiliana, maybe you need to cut that. I don't know, but I was very sad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no, I think that's good. I think that's important. Well, you guys, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been just a really great conversation about something that's such an important topic and that we do talk about on the show just in different ways. But I really appreciate the poignancy of of just talking about nonviolent communication.
3: Thank It was
2: a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for suggesting it and having us. It
0: um, really brings it alive to be able to share it with other people. And
2: Yes. Well, thank you. And fuck yes. capitalism.
0: Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> fuck capitalism.
2: I'm so deep in this world right now. Maya, you and I are going to have to catch up and talk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yes, please. Bye.
1: Okay. That was amazing. Oh, I'm so glad that that, that, that you thought so. Yeah,
2: it was fun. <laughs> Um,
1: yeah, thank you, Rory and Maya, for coming on. What
2: like beautiful human Ew, beings? Yes, aren't they lovely? So lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I wanted to add another sort of specific example because I think we had a great conversation. But what's amazing, I think, one of the things about NBC is like it's by just being careful with the language, like you can actually say the thing in a way that makes it much more likely that people are going to. Willingly and joyfully like meet your needs like from that happy place in their heart. And so another example, I taught this, I did a workshop for students recently and one student was really like wrestling with this stuff and did an awesome job. And her thing, when I asked for the observation, you know, she was like, when my mom tries to emotionally and financially manipulate me
1: Mm. and I was
2: like, okay, you know, and so we worked through like. Right. So that is that's not an observation like because that's loaded with all of the Mm -hmm. sort of thinking and like what you think the other person is doing and whatever. And so we worked, you know, so we worked on that. And and then that became like, um, you know, when you tell me that you will pay for something and then later. Tell me that you won't. Mm. Right? Like, so that's a a specific observation that doesn't have all these like judgment words Mm -hmm. in it. Right? And then, you know, we talked through like the feelings and needs. And then, you know, in the request, right? The idea of making a specific request that is framed positively, you know, and, um, uh, you know, what that became is like kind of like if you, you know, I would like you to, you know, when you tell me you'll pay for something, like, to sort of honor that and not change mm-hmm. your mind later, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, and the student actually, like, sort of stayed after and, like, chatted with me for a minute. And it's, like, clear, like, when you think about someone's relationship with their mom, like, this is not, like, this one conversation isn't going to fix everything. But, and, and it reminds me of what Maya sort of said at one point when we were talking to them of, like, you don't need both people to do it right so by this Mm -hmm. student like learning the tools and practicing a little bit how she can communicate with mom even though mom's still probably going to be somewhat difficult and that relationship is going to take a long time but like at least it doesn't
1: keep you stuck in the Mm -hmm. same place so i don't know yeah no i love that because i think for that's really good to hear for me because I go into these relationships like, well, you need to work on this. You got to work on this so we can both show up and, you know, and um, people will get there in their own time. If you're able to show up and give them that space, yes. you know, because we didn't grow up learning how to do nonviolent communication. Yep. So yeah. Yay. Okay. You guys, well, next week will just be me and Jared. Yep. So we'll do kind of a longer update on our lives and we'll talk about, a really cool topic, and yeah, we'll see you guys then.
2: Bye. Okay,
1: wait, no, take that back.
2: Oh,
1: <laughs> okay. Never so, mind, bye. <laughs> so anyway, uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at hello and by podcast at underscore Leanna, Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. Subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com/slash hello and go Visit our website ww.hello and go by podcast.com for social media, Patreon, YouTube, episodes, and sponsors. And we'll see you next time.
2: Okay, now bye. Bye.